welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, we are continuing in a short two-week culture clash uh, sermon series. And uh, just so you know, I started at the beginning of the year doing Culture Clash and did one week, and then now we have the two here. I will do some more throughout the year, but I'm glad that with last week, we talked about how to discern good and evil, because I cannot preach on every single topic, nor should I. Um, I really am praying that we will have our church disciple to know good from evil, Hebrews 5.14 says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And I pray that your spiritual taste is awakened. And when you taste things, when you see things, when you spiritually take things in, you know how to reject it as that is rotten, that is spoiled, that is no good. You've discerned that. And uh, we also used in that message, Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I mean, if that doesn't describe our world right now, right now the world is attacking and saying, you know, good is evil and evil is good. And you're just like, what is going on? And um, the spirit of this age, uh, like we said, is one of transgression to push the limits. That means like um, to take pleasure in defiling oneself and pushing onto whatever is next. Like that's what sin does. There's a, a spirit of this age that is transgression and it's, and it's trying to go to the next evil thing and the next evil thing. And we have to be people that are able to discern good from evil. Now, if you uh, missed it, be sure to watch that uh, sermon from last week. There are practical steps. There were things in there that were helping us and we can uh, even have discernment to know good from evil. But today, um, I'm going to look at a very practical thing and very um, alarming thing that's going on in today's day and age. And I do want to give this disclaimer um, with children that might be watching online or in the service. I want to be very um, honest that I'm going to say some things uh, that you may say like, ah, better to have our kids in children's church. I'm just giving you that warning up front and letting you know that. Uh, to give you that disclaimer. But today I want to focus on this transgression, this uh, corrupt or depraved or degenerate practice that's going on, and use some current examples. Um, there's a hypersexualization of children that is going on, and this is very immoral. It, it's, it, it's, it's happening all around us. There's uh, the child uh, drag story hour that is happening in our libraries. There is um, all ages drag shows. There's uh, gender teaching to children. And I'm not saying like appropriate things of don't let people touch you here or don't do that. I'm talking about gender confusion teaching that's being taught to children. And there's even grooming behavior that is going on in society right now with our children. And if I, I, I could title the message, I would say protect the children. Protect the children. That would be the title of my message. But I, I got this, and I, when I read Ephesians 4.19, this jumped off the page to me, and I just couldn't believe what I was reading. Um, it was not written to us, but it was written for us. If you know that about the Bible, you have to always have to say, who was it written to? And then we know it's written for us, like we can get the value, but who was it written to? It was written to the church at Ephesus. 
And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is describing the effects of living this path of transgression, of going down this evil path. And um, he says this, it's startling. It jumped off the page in verse 19. He's talking about these people and he says, having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. And the better way to say that is like they're full of, of a, a greedy spirit to do all this impurity. It's not that it's like, and they're greedy for money. No, it's like they're, they're, they're just full of this greedy spirit to do this. And I wanna read it in a couple translations because when I read this in my soap devotion time, it just jumped off the page. And so I quick looked and, and, and went to Bible Hub and like looked at all the different like translations. And it, ESV says this, they, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The Berean Linear Bible says, having lost all sense of shame, they have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with a craving for more. Now, the scariest thing that is in this text um, is that you can get to a level here that Paul says of, of not feeling anything, of being so sinful that you don't even feel that this, this sin, you don't even feel like this is wrong. You've lost all feeling. That's a terrible, terrible place for a person to be. In the Amplified, this one jumped out to me. Same verse, same verse, but in the Amplified. How many know if you do your soap devotion in Amplified, it takes four hours, right? You know, it's, it's longer, all right. But this is what it says. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desires may demand. And the thing that jumped out to me in that was like, here these people are thinking they're the predator or they're the person that is dominating or they're the person that's living the life. And, and the Amplified says, you're turning yourself over as prey. You are the prey. You are the, the person that is being eaten for lunch. The devil is devouring people that are going down this pathway and it's a dangerous place. And I wanna go back to that thing of having lost all feeling. Like it's a dangerous place when, when I look at society and I see people that are sinning and sinning and sinning and they have no feeling, like they don't think it's wrong, it's zero. You, you, you tell them that it's wrong and they're like, it does zero to them. That's a, it's extremely dangerous place. I learned this from um, marriage counseling. When I would do marriage counseling with a couple and I was young in church and couples would come in and they'd be screaming at each other and swearing in my office. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. They're screaming and swearing at each other. And, and I thought there's no hope for this couple. I mean, they're just so angry. And then I realized, no, that's all wrong. The couple that had that feeling, you know, swearing and all that screaming was not good, but at least they had feeling towards each other. The couples that were done for, the ones that just came in, cold, stone cold. And the one's like, I want to reconcile that one. Like, and you're like, do you feel any? Nope. Do you want to say anything? Nope. Do you have anything to add? Nope. And they'd leave the office. I'm like, oh, they've lost all feeling. They're, there's, there's, they've just, there's no feeling. There's nothing. But the one that's weeping, the one that's crying, the one that's angry, I'm like, at least there's something there that, that we can grab hold of and we can work on. And in this text, there's people that, are, that are, have no feeling. And after three chapters of doctrine um, in Ephesians, chapters one, two, and three, 
Paul starts getting practical application. He starts talking about how to live in a family, how to be married, how to be in the church. All, he's sharing very practical things. And so I wanna look in this in, in chapter four as we get into this. And I wanna, I wanna lay the groundwork and then we'll get to today. Um, Paul says, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. He's saying, I don't want you to walk like this. Uh, you, you're, you're called out from this. I don't want you to walk in this futility. You must walk differently than the, the world. And, and there's a different, you're gonna walk different. Matter of fact, it's said that Johnny Cash, now here's dating me, Johnny Cash, uh, I walk the line. How many, I walk the line because you're mine. You know, all right? And he was doing that. Uh, he, he, he did that. He was saying like he got married. And he's like, I'm gonna walk it differently. I'm walking it differently now that I'm married. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're now walking it differently. You're walking the line. You're walking, but he says, you're not gonna walk that way like they did. And then verse 18, he says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Now, the ignorance that was there was, they knew, they knew what they should do, but there was an ignorance that was there that was a hardness of heart. And I see an ignorance in America and North America uh, that is there because of the darkness that is in people's heart. And historically, everywhere the gospel goes, it sets people free. Historically, in Ephesus, where Paul was writing this, um, the, the gospel comes and it sets people free. Women get lifted up. Children get taken care of. The poor get lifted up. Evil gets chased away. Um, life becomes precious. This is happening in Ephesus. It happened in America. And then what happens is because there's this battle, a spiritual battle going on. And by the way, on all of our culture clash, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle, all right? And so we're just engaging in this. But these people become ignorant and, and this progression starts to take place. And in Ephesus, it was a major city and, and I could just see this in my mind because I, I just recently visited uh, Ephesus with one of our global teams, Global Experience Turkey, and we went to Ephesus and I mean, it's, so much of it is excavated and I think it's only like 10% of the city and it's massive, massive, the city of Ephesus. It was a major city, and when Paul is writing this to them, um, you gotta understand there was an amphitheater that would seat thousands. I mean, Elton John and Sting did concert years, you know, just a few years ago in this amphitheater that they've unearthed. It's massive. And in the middle of Ephesus, there was this temple to Artemis, and Artemis was this false god, and she was a god of fertility, of sexuality. Matter of fact, if you were to look up the, the idol of Art Artemis, and, and don't do it while you're at church, all right, but if, you, know, uh, you would see that Artemis was a, uh, a goddess, and she was covered in breasts, like from her neck to her waist, like all breasts, like, you know, 40 breasts on her, and it was just a sexual thing. It was a sexual city. It was a, a city of perversion. And so in the middle of Ephesus, you've got this temple to Artemis. And by the way, her temple wasn't like a small little starter temple. It could hold 24,000 people. Oh, this is Ephesus now, okay? Now, Paul is there. He's preaching. He, Timothy is the pastor there. I mean, imagine now, now you're understanding like, wow, it puts to life what's going on. Um, while we were there in Ephesus, I just have to show this picture. We saw the picture of, uh, of a house church that was there. And I wanna put, go ahead, yeah, put it up there. You'll see it on the screen. That's like, that was like a 30 foot ceiling. See that little thing in the back? That's a door, that's a door in there. And it was, it was so, I didn't understand that house church meant like really big. I thought house church was like 20 people huddled in a room. You know, whoever had the biggest house in the church would host church. 
and this couple had a 9,000 square foot home and set aside like 2,000 square feet as the church in Ephesus. And that's one of the churches, a house church, all right? Now, I, I show you that because here you got a church that's holding 200 people in Ephesus. You got Artemis, you got all this stuff going on. Paul's writing, you know, Timothy's pastoring. Right next door to this house is, a, is a, another house. And, and when they were excavating that house, they found out that that house had a room in it set aside just for the prostitutes that they would bring to the home. And they found the shopping list from them in this house, right next door to the house church, right in Ephesus. If you were to go there right now and you could tour, you would find this out. They found the shopping list and on the shopping list, it says to their servant, be sure to pick up a prostitute for our guest for the party tonight. It says it on that. That's the town of Ephesus. This is where Paul is writing. This is where Timothy is pastoring. This is where this text is coming from. And you see uh, it gives life to this and it helps us to understand. And he says, there's a progression of transgression. There's a hardness that is going on. And Paul in this passage says, there's a hardness that happens in people's lives and in society and in culture that don't know Jesus. And it's happening in our culture right now. There's a hardness that is there that is, that is, that is evil, that, that, is, that is saying like, I, I don't feel anything. I have a hard heart. William Barclay in his commentary says, the terror of sin is the petrifying effect, that it becomes petrified. Your heart becomes hard. It becomes calloused. And if we don't watch it all around us, the, the, the world is just getting harder and harder and harder. Paul says there's darkness, they can't see the good. He also says, as he's describing these people, he said there's a callousness to them. There's a callousness to these people. And he said, well, what does that mean, that word callous? He said, it really means like to grieve out, like they've, they've squeezed all the grief out. They don't feel any shame or embarrassment anymore. And there's a progression of transgression going on there and it's going on in our society right now. If you think back um, to the first time you experienced any sin, think back, the first time you experience, the first time you see something or do something that is sinful, and what happens? You're like horrified, like, how in the world? I didn't, oh, oh, you don't. And then if you do that sin again, you're like, you have remorse, you repent. But after a while, if you start doing that sin over and over again, how many know all of a sudden there's a, a callousness there. There's a callousness there. And then there's no feeling. And it's like you're down the road and what would cause other people to shrink back, you're like all comfortable with it. I think about the progression uh, the Bible talks about, you know, it's like uh, you walk, you stand, you sit. And I remember a guy teaching uh, in Psalm 1, he talked about, you know, that you, you walk by sin and then after a while, if you don't watch it, you're, 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 you're stopping by sin. And if you don't watch it, after a while, you're sitting in the middle of the sin. He's saying this callousness is there for these people. And, 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 and it's sad when I see these people that are doing sin today and there's just a callousness. People are bragging. Like people would brag and say like, this is how many abortions I've had. And they brag. Instead of like running to the grace of God, they're wearing t-shirts. There's a callousness like, yes, this is what we do. This is what we believe in. And there's a callousness of shoving it in people's face. It's, it's the, the word that Paul is using here. He's saying like, instead of being like a closet alcoholic, the person, instead of trying to hide it, they're right in your face and they're doing it right in your face almost to get in your space. Now, let me just stop for a second. Side note to believers. 
I'm talking about people that are in the world that are doing this. But it's a whole other sermon, but God help us if we get callous, if we get hard. Um, there's a real danger right now. Like evil is all around us so much. Like there's another shooting, another shooting, another shooting. And many times we'll be like posting, like we're praying, God help us, please. And people are like, you know, like that's gonna help. And it's like, I'm trying to not get a hard heart. I've tried to stay engaged and, and we should be praying. We should be involved. We should offer solutions. We should do that. Like, and, and like the drug overdoses and, and things like, we just get desensitized. 70,000 people die from fentanyl like every year in America and we're just like desensitized. It doesn't even hit us anymore. Uh, we should be, not have a hard heart. And I just wanna challenge the church, like weep, cry, grieve. When was the last time you wept over something like that? Don't, don't get so hard that it doesn't move you. But back to Paul, he says, um, these people are greedy to practice. There's an insatiable desire. They've got to go. They need more. There's a new high. They've got to go. And, and, and I keep wondering, like, where does it end? Where does it end? And, and ultimately, the progression here of transgression, the Bible says it ends with spiritual death. But where does it end in society? And it, it looks like it ends and like the end game is to get to the children. It looks like, when I look at this, like, where does it end? Where does it end? Where does it end? And it's like, it's in private, it's this, it's adults, it's this, it's this. And then all of a sudden it's getting to children. And, 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 and when, I, when I, I, I could have never known when I was planning to preach this message months ago that just a couple of weeks ago, the UN would have released um, a, a new uh, recommendation. You may not be aware of this, but the UN just released a couple of weeks ago a new recommendation to, that would normalize sex with children. The United Nations. You're like, what in the world? Yes, the report urges the removal of laws that would criminalize abortion, prostitution. Think about that. The non-disclosure of HIV status that you don't have to share that you have HIV when you're engaged with somebody. It would uh, remove the law and criminalization of drug use, begging, sleeping, urinating, or defecating in public saying that should not be against the law. It's like the UN wants everywhere to be San Francisco, you know? Um, and then it, it's saying to remove the law that would criminalize sexual conduct with a consenting minor. God help us. God help us. This is going on. And I feel like the end game is getting to the kids and I'm screaming out, let's protect the children. Let's protect the children. Now, people say, well, that's the UN, you know, what, and, and sometimes people will attack me and, you know, I do culture things. They'll say, but what about my district or what about my city? And, you know, I don't know everything that's going on, but as things come up, I'm devouring this and always looking for things. But in North Carolina, the preschool class, there's a, a video now of a, a preschool class. And they introduce a non-binary puppet. And they said, this is neither a boy nor a girl. It's just a kid. And, and I think the puppet's name is Nash. And, and the teacher's trying so hard to do they, them pronouns. And all the kids are asking, like, why does he have stars? Well, Nash, he's just a kid. He's not a boy. And then they're like, why does he? Even they, the kids are like, they, they know, like, he looks like a boy, you know. And they're, and they're confused. And the teachers are like, isn't that great? Look at what we did with those kids. This is happening. Not like, maybe, this is happening right now. Um, you have sex ed with graphic pictures. I was just given the books that the Minnesota uh, sex ed is doing. If I showed the pictures on the screen, I could get arrested 
for pornography. I mean, and this is going on in our schools in Minnesota uh, with, and I, I remember I gave you the disclosure, but with uh, same-sex intercourse, with uh, uh, heterosexual intercourse, with oral sex, there are graphic depictions and drawings for children, children that are prepubescent. Like this is happening right now, okay? Um, kids performers are transitioning. There's a popular YouTube kids program, Mr. Beast, and the collaborator, Chris Tyson, is now transitioning. This is just bringing confusion to children. There's Drag Queen Story Hour in our public libraries. The Minneapolis Public Schools just held a gender resource fair. It was supposed to be held at Loring Elementary, but because people were protesting, they moved it to the, uh, the, the school headquarters. They're, they're, right now, people are renaming pedophiles minor attracted people. No, it's called, it's pedophile. It's a pedophile and it's wrong and it's sinful and it must be repented of and we will protect the children, okay? They, we have transgender drag queen dancing in the Minnesota State Capitol with all ages president, present. We have uh, grooming behavior that is happening online and it's more common than you would realize. And um, I, I wanna be very transparent on this. It's, it's way more common than you would realize um, it's no longer keep your kids safe from the person in the white van. I mean, I remember when our kids were being raised and my mom would say, now listen, boys, if anybody pulls up and says, help me look for my lost puppy, don't you dare look for that. You don't do that. You know, that she was like really adamant, protect the kids from the person in the white van. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Well, now it should be like protect your kids from the people online. It's not the white van, it's online, okay? Um, and I wanna share this in, in full transparency. It's so prevalent, um, it even happened in our church several years ago. Um, we had a kid's pastor that was using an electronic device, using a computer to pretend to be a teenage girl, asking other teenage girls for uh, illicit uh, pornographic material and sending it back and forth. Um, we didn't know this, we had no idea, but the person was arrested and we worked with the authorities. We worked with the authorities, handed over everything we needed to do. And the very day before I even knew what all the charges were, before I even knew what all the charges were, all the news channels were out in front of the church um, with the big satellite dishes and even our congregation. We didn't even know what the charges were, okay? But we knew that he had been arrested for something involving minors. That's all we knew. And I stood in front of the church and I said, listen, we will protect the children. If you know anything, we want you to go to the police first. Even before you come to the church with any information, go to the police first so there can be no accusation of us tainting this because we are going to stand with the, with the children. We are not gonna protect anyone that is a predator. We are, not, we are gonna stand with the children. And the church did a standing ovation that day. Thanks for standing with the children. We didn't even know what all the charges were. I didn't know this, but the arresting officer was in the room watching me that night, watching the sermon. And he said afterwards, he said, wow, you guys handled that so well. You protect the children so much from the people like that. We're gonna join your church. He said, we're gonna join the church. I'm telling you that this is more prevalent. And that, that staff member was fired, they went to jail, uh, you know, we've worked with the authorities. We will protect the children. And you say, like, well, how would you share that? That's embarrassing. Of course it is. I'm trying to show you that it's, that it's more prevalent than you realize, that it can permeate through society. There's a, a, a road of transgression that people are going down this pathway. 
and we need to protect the children. And I thought that protecting children would be admired, that, you know, I've been posting things online. And instead of like being admired for saying, we're trying to protect the children, they shouldn't see this stuff. This is inappropriate, protect the children. People are attacking us. People are, it's like they've gone down this progression. Not only have they like lost all sensitivity, they're aggressive with this and they're attacking us. It reminds me of 1 Peter 4.4. Um, it says, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. That's like what's happening. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? Here we are, but this is what Jesus said about protecting the children. In Luke 17, he said, Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. We have to protect the children. And, and you say, well, like, you know, well, what about adults? Well, okay, there are age restrictions on everything. And we live in a country, and again, those that are watching online from other countries, I'm dealing with America, and I'm so grateful that our congregation is all around the world, um, but you're probably seeing much of this also in your country. Um, but there's age restrictions on alcohol, on driving, on tattoos, on movie ratings. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember the 9 p.m. rule. How many are old enough to remember 9 p.m. rule? You know, that TV could not have anything like, anything risque or racy before 9 p.m., you know, and you're like, really? Yeah, for a while there in the 70s, nothing before 9 p.m. It was like, you had to keep it after nine. And then they sued and they got it back into any time they wanted. And now today with, how many know with laptops, iPads and YouTube, it's like 24 seven, you know, and we've got to protect the children. There's a, children deserve innocence. They deserve innocence. Um, I remember the song, like we teach little kids, be careful little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, let you hear, right? We, we, we just, we, we wanna protect them. And so there's age uh, that protections on those things. And, and you say, well, what's the harm and what's this? You know, this is, this is so confusing to children. It does so much damage. And these things are not innocent. People say, oh, it's innocent. An undercover video just discovered a, a, an all ages drag show in Texas where the performer exposed themselves, he exposed himself to the children as the children were waiting to put, you know, dollar bills into the clothing. That is not behavior that is normal for children. That is disruptive, that is destructive. That is this pathway of transgression that is going to a level of no feeling. And we're raising kids that if we don't watch it, we'll have no feeling. And then we wonder why all this evil is happening and why there's no discipline and why the increase of shootings and all this that is happening. We're raising people with no feeling. In Practo, it's a website of medical and uh, psychological professionals. I found this and it talked about when kids have exposure to something that is uh, sexual at an early age. It said it is stored as a strong memory and then it is recalled repeatedly. Now ga gather that. When kids see these things, it's stored as a strong memory because it shocks them. It shocks them. They're not meant to see this. And so it's stored as a strong memory and then it's recalled repeatedly and explored further out of curiosity, fear, or confusion. And then it could make way for habits 
or addictions, and listen to this quote, a young mind hasn't yet developed the extent of reasoning or intellect to understand or interfere with the trigger of these emotions. We're protecting these children from this. Now, again, people say like, they've accused me like, where were you before? And how come you weren't protesting, you know, drag shows for adults? Again, I shared this before. I think those are terrible as well. But we live in America and where we live now, there's a freedom to have the abundant life or go for destruction. That's the country we live in. And there are certain things that are illegal and there are certain things that are legal. And we, um, you say like, where were you? Like, and I think back when I was a kid, uh, my mom had us out protesting the drug paraphernalia store. Okay, you're like, where were you? I've been protesting all along, you know. <laughs> Age seven, you know, what'd you do on your summer vacation? I held a sign protesting drug paraphernalia. You know, true, we shut it down and it moved away. All right, but like, where were you? Okay, um, I understand. And, and, and I understand that there are things that are legal um, for adults that will still destroy you, will lead to bondage. The book of James says that sin, when it's fully conceived and it, gives, it leads to death, that's where it's going. Okay, but we are trying to say right now, hold the line on, on this. What in the, we are trying to protect the children. We're saying that um, the UN opened the door. We're saying like, like, stop, this is brand new. The UN never said this before. We didn't have it in preschool that we had binary, non-binary puppets and trying to confuse kids where they're trying to, what in the world? We didn't have people dancing at our state capitol on the Northern Star, which I would get arrested if I stepped on it, but they danced all over it. We didn't have that happening. We didn't have in our public libraries, people doing drag time story out. Like it's, it's like it's coming forward and because of this pathway of transgression, it's, it's, it's without feeling, it's desensitized, it's in your face. And it, it's crazy, people are, are, are yelling at us and, and saying, you're a bigot, you're an evil person. Like I'm trying to protect the children and I'm being called a, a, a bigot. I'm trying to say they deserve to grow up in innocence. They deserve that and, and, and to be able to process at an age appropriate development. And it's like, I, I'm like a lifeguard and I'm getting yelled at for, saying, for saving kids that are drowning, you know? Um, we were staying at a place of the pool and, and, you know, we had little Beckham with us, our grandchild. And we were thinking about like, man, if he was old enough to walk around, we'd have a, a, a gate up and we'd, you know, who's got Beckham? Who's got, we'd put a life jacket on. I mean, as grandpa, I'm probably going to put like four life jackets on that little guy. Uh, he's going to be <laughs> the Michelin man, like, you know, going in, you know, blimp going in there. But you're like, Protect the children, protect the children. So whose eyes are on them? And we're the lifeguards saying, stay away from there. Protect the children. We're not bigots, we're lifeguards. And I keep thinking, what will these children be like someday? You know, when they, when they grow up in a culture that is pushing this line that is callous, that has lost all feeling, where people are attacking and calling, like we said, good evil and evil good and so confusing. I know this much. Um, we're gonna do everything we can to protect our children. And we're gonna be the ones that someday they'll say like, at least you stood up, you spoke the truth. When the other people were confusing us, thank God you spoke up, thank God you spoke up. Um, now I'm gonna go longer, so let the kids ministry know like I'm going longer. I gotta get through this, gotta take action. I'll go quick through these. Um, what can we do? Uh, talk often with your children, turn your devices off. 
talk, talk, talk. Have that family dinner. It's so critical that you talk. Um, they'll share things with you. Be the first. What do I mean by that? With children, be the first. Parents, be the first to talk about that. It means you're gonna have to talk about some awkward things, but you wanna talk about it first so that they don't come home and say, my teacher said, no, no, no. Mom, dad have already said what we believe on that, and your kids can be the ones going, no, my mom and dad said no, you know, all right? Um, which you should try to know the curriculum and be ahead of them which, and opt out of whatever you can, which is interesting. Now they're even making laws like Colorado is contemplating not allowing parents to opt their kids out of this. I mean, this is where it's going. This the line of transgression. It's going to where they've lost all feeling. Be an active parent. What do I mean by that? That means you stop the show and you say, now do we think it's okay to steal in our family? No, it's not okay to steal, right? All right, start it up, you know. Do we think that, oh, that's okay. Here's why we turn that one off. Here's why we don't do that. You know, I remember even like going down the street and there are people that were, um, we were coming from a Twins game. There were people that were homeless and drunk and, you know, Connor was like, can we give him some money? So we gave him a little bit of money, and we said, hey, we do most of our work through the Life Center, and here's why. Because some of these people use this money for alcohol, and we want to help those people, so we work with the church, and you're trying to be active in parenting, all right? You need to have accountability on digital devices. You can have software and reporting to try to block, but also to know where they've been. You can be involved in whatever any of this. You're going to have to um, coach, chaperone, help, and be involved. Uh, stay connected to the faith community. I cannot tell you enough. Stay connected to the faith community. Get your kids in church into online. By the way, I love online that it's around the world. But if you're able to get your kids there to church, you need to get the kids to church. There's something, they're off running around playing with toys. And when you get them to church, in the building, in the community, they're actually there learning, all right? Um, you can run for school board. Run for school board. Many of these votes in the schools are four to three or three to two. Like, we can do this. We can run. And people say like, oh, there you go, being active. That's right. We have the ability. We live in a we the people country, and we're going to be active on this, all right? We can run for school board and um, run for government offices. We can do this, all right? Now, let me just stop for a moment there. I, I go back to years ago when I signed our kids up for sports. You know, Beck and I signed the kids up for sports, and it said, like, do you want to be the coach? And I was like, every other parent, like, no, I really don't want to be the coach. And they said, but we have a shortfall of coaches, your kid might not be able to play. So I'm like, yeah, I'll coach. You know, even if I'd never played the sport before, I checked it. How many know I always was the coach, right? <laughs> and part of me was like, you know what, though? At least I'm the coach. At least I know what's going on. At least I'm, I mean, I had to study, like, how do you play soccer? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you know, like, all right, yeah. But how many know when they're really young, you're like, chase the ball, you know, all right, all right. But some of us need to have that attitude now when it comes to school board and government. We're like, yeah, I'm too busy. No, no. Stop the hobby, stop the thing, run for the school board, run for the government office. We, we get the government that we're involved with and we have that opportunity. Let's check the box. Yeah, I'm willing to go and do that. Um, you might need to remove kids from schools if you see them slipping or if your district aggressively pushes this. I mean, my mom used to pick our teachers and go, nope, no, our kids are not going in that class. We want the other teacher. Nope, we're gonna be involved. And they would, we would do that. Um, you need to remove children from social media. I would, I would hold off, hold off, hold off as long as possible. Um, um, you need to be a safe adult for them to talk to. And I shared this with Connor and Logan. And um, a friend of theirs sent a very pornographic um, email to them once. And, and they came to me and they're like, Dad, Dad, we saw something we should not have seen. And I was so grateful that they were able to talk to me. And that they could approach me and that... 
I said, you know, all right, here's what we're gonna do, and let's pray about this. We're gonna talk to your friend's parent. You know, we're gonna get this situated, uh, but you wanna be the parent that they can talk to. Um, uh, pray over your children, and by pray, I mean really pray. Um, I never forget, we were in China on a global team, and um, we had the kids with us, Connor and Logan, we had a whole team, and Connor went to use the bathroom, and then he came back, and you know, having been in China and seen the bathroom, he looked at me when we got the meal, and he goes, hey, Dad, over this meal, really pray. Like, really pray. Like, I saw the bathroom, pray. You know, all right, you know, don't just like pray, thanks for the food, pray. All right, pray over your kids, really pray. I've seen the pathway of transgression going on in society, really, you pray over your children. And by the way, uh, May 4th is National Day of Prayer. Pray for our nation. Pray for our nation. We have our church campuses open. You can pray at the Capitol. Um, all right, uh, let, how about this? Make sure our kids' areas are safe and staffed. Safe and staffed. Uh, we do background checks. Um, we do that, make sure they're safe and staffed. <sighs> this is too important. And um, team is just gonna have to, maybe a little less singing and worship this weekend, um, but we have to. Um, I have to just go through the last few things here. Um, with this progression going on, realize this, there's tens of millions of people that believe in protecting the children. There's hundreds of, I believe it. I believe there's over 100 million in America. It's just loud voices and people in political power that are trying to bring confusion, and there's people, but there's people running around like, am I the only one to believe? No, you're not the only one that believes this. We need to organize, stand up. We need to realize we need to speak up, stand up, show up, step up, all that. We need to do that because it's a spiritual battle and we're not going to shrink back from this. As I close with this, I go back to that verse. It said, having lost all sensitivity and that's a scary place to be. But I believe if you're here and you're listening to this, whether it's online or in person, you've not lost all sensitivity. You may have gone down a pathway of sin that has, has caused you to try to silence the voice of God. You may have used alcohol. You may have used drugs. You may have turned the music up to drown out the voice of God because you don't want to listen. But the, God is just coming after you and he's knocking at your heart. And if you're feeling something now, you have not gone beyond all sensitivity. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. And that tug that you're feeling right now says grace can be applied. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how far down that transgression slide you've been. That It can be stopped in a moment. In verse 20, Paul talks about, like, you walk differently. That's not how you learn Christ. Like, there's a, there's a change that can happen. There's a change that can happen. And I'm praying right now with that little tug that you would say yes to Jesus. In just a moment, the campus pastors are gonna give an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus. You are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. It's time for you to say yes to Jesus. So God, I just pray that we would grab a hold of this and protect the children and stand up against these cultural things that are wrong, but we'd also realize we desire to help people to find you as Lord and Savior. In a town like Ephesus, where the cultural slide was so strong, there still was a church that was thriving and growing, and the message of Jesus Christ spread throughout that town. God, may the message of Jesus Christ spread throughout our cities, throughout our state, throughout our country, throughout this world, and may people today say yes to you. 
yes to you. They are not too far gone. There's still conviction. There's still a tug. And may they respond to that tug right now and say yes to you. I thank you for this time together, and I pray that many, many people would say yes to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.